What is up, ambitious listeners? We are a day out from the NFL Draft. Today's episode is a really good one. Um, one of my favorite ones, I think, ever. Andrew Siciliano of NFL Network joins the show. He's a guy I really look up to, and it was an absolute honor to sit down with him. Um, a really cool guy, really cool story, and uh, I also sat down with Alex Highsmith of UNC Charlotte. He's an NFL Draft prospect at the edge rusher position. Both so cool and uh, very cool conversations and uh, yeah enjoy the episode after a quick word from our sponsors anchor yo what is up welcome to ambitious my name is dylan price today's guest is an absolute beast in this year's nfl draft at edge rusher from unc charlotte ladies and gentlemen welcome to the show alex i smith alex how's it going I'm doing great, doing great. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. So with the draft now less than a week away, how have the last couple weeks been and how has the preparation been for the draft on your end? It's been good. Um, you know, the past couple of weeks, I mean, I've been home for the past month here in North Carolina. So been back home, getting to spend good time, quality time with the family. Um, and I've been training to get bit as well. So um, I've been consistent with my training. I've been doing um, cross training, boxing, UFC stuff with a uh, um, USC fighter down here, his name's Derek Brunson. Yeah, my dad actually taught him in high school, so that's kind of, that's how I know him, that's how I have a connection there. So um, I've been training with him, and I also have a guy who's been doing my, my training as well um, for, for footwork and agility and linebacker drills as well. So, um, and also have a weight room that I go to as well. So he's been really great uh, helping me with my training in that aspect for sure. Very, very cool. Is there a party that would ever pursue, you know, fighting like UFC or boxing one day after football? Uh, maybe boxing. I don't know if USC is all, all for me. I like boxing more than like on the kicking, kicking part. <laughs> <laughs> so, going back to the start of your football career, what led you to fall in love with the game of football? You know, I think just uh, we watched a lot in my household. You know, we were huge diehard Panther fans growing up, and so just being us being Panthers fans, you know, and me watching guys like Steve Smith and Joyce Peppers, you know, it really made me want to play the game, and I just really had a love for it after that. So. Just um, really growing up watching watching Panthers games and stuff like that is really just awakened the love uh, for it for me. I'd say. Hmm. Now, if you had to pinpoint any place and I guess location you dream of landing, would it be Carolina, or is there uh, just a general consensus that wherever you land, you're going to be happy to play in the NFL? You know, Carolina would definitely be awesome. You know, because you know being the being born and raised in North Carolina and going to school in Charlotte and being that close would just be awesome. So I feel like, you know, that's the dream scenario. But kind of like you say, you know, anywhere I go, I'd be happy. Just the ability to, just the opportunity. To, but it's just such a blessing, you know, to be in a position where I'm at. And just for, you know, the fact that I know my name's probably going to get called here in a week is, is pretty crazy and humbling. So I'm just thankful and blessed with the opportunity I have right now. Now, obviously, hometown kid, what led you to UNC Charlotte? So, um, coming out of high school, I uh, didn't really have many offers. Um, I, I I played three sports in, in high school, and um, we the only the only offers I had were Furman and Davidson. Well, Davidson, I, they, it wasn't really offered because they they don't they only offer academic scholarships, and I wasn't able to get to their school because it's one of the hardest schools to get into in the state. So I had a good GPS. My test scores weren't uh, their their caliber. So, um, really. I, uh, I remember after junior day at Davidson before my senior year, went and visited UNC Charlotte, just, just literally drove on the campus, and that's all I did. And um, I still remember, like, how, how 
like beautiful it was when I first drove there. And like, I just kind of instantly like, fell in love with it, you know. So that's something that, uh, you know, I've I, I never really seen a, camp, a campus like that before. We permanent in Davidson were beautiful too, but, you know, this one was definitely bigger. Um, being, being a public school, not a private school. So I really just really fell in love with it. Then, so I went to Ashley High School here in Wilmington, and our rival high school was Hoggard High School. And uh, their, their head coach was Scott Braswell, and his son, Scotty Braswell Jr., was a GA at the time in Charlotte. So, um, Basically, I asked Coach Brazil, like, hey, is there any way, you know, I can pass my film on to, to your son, they can get it on to Coach Lambert, and I uh, get to see if they can give me a shot. And eventually they did. And uh went up for a couple unofficial visits to the spring practice in the spring, in the spring game and um, found out I was going to be on the team in June. So originally I, um, I I was running with some of my best friends from high school. And then I got an email saying my dorm has been switched to the football dorm. And so that's kind of how I found out um, I was going to go to Charlotte. Didn't end up going to camp the first year, but – in the first day of school and just, you know, made the most of my opportunity. So I'm just thankful for the route that I've taken. That's really cool. And is there ever a part of you because of your journey to this point and, you know, going to a smaller school compared to some of these bigger prospects, is there a part of you that has a chip on your shoulder when you play? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's always like that. Hmm. I always like to say, you know, no matter what round I get drafted in next week or if I go undrafted, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to have that same chip on my shoulder, um, you know, wherever I go. Um, it's because of attachment. It's a mentality that I have from, from being not just being from a small school, but being a walk-on as well. I'm knowing that you know, no one really wanted to be coming out of high school. Um, so that's just that's, I'll always have that chip on my shoulder and that walk-on mentality. You know, no, no matter where I go, no matter what I do in life. Now, looking at you know your combine performance, your pre-draft interviews. Obviously, it's been very different this year with the virtual interviews. Uh-huh. But what has the consensus kind of been on where you think you can end up landing? Um, you know, so I really, I've been hearing mostly, you know, right now I think it's looking like I'll probably be in the third, third, fourth round. You know, I think I have a really good chance going to the third, but, you know, kind of like I said, uh, no matter where I go, I'm still going to have that same chip in my shoulder, but um, I really think it's probably going to be in the third, fourth round range. Now, obviously, you know, you can't say names and you don't have to if you don't want to, but has there been a team or maybe a team or two that have, you know, shown you outstanding interest and have really kind of said to you, like, if you're on the board here, we're going to try to grab you? Uh, I mean, there, I, there's definitely been a bunch of teams that showed interest in me, but I haven't, um, haven't spoken to any teams that, like, have told me exactly where, um, I'll be on the board. Um, I know that I'm on, uh, the teams have told me where I'm on the board, but I don't know exactly where, so, but there are definitely some teams that are interested in me, and, uh, um, the teams I've been talking to over the past couple weeks are interested in me, so, uh, I don't know exactly where I'm going to fall, but I know that there will be some in that third, fourth round range. Now, if you had to pinpoint one aspect of your game that maybe makes you stand out most, what would you say that is? I'd say my motor and my effort. You know, being a defensive player, you know, if you don't have a good motor and a good effort, you know, you're not going to be a productive guy. I think that's where it starts for me. That's what helps me to be a great pass rusher is because of the motor that I have. And you can't get to the quarterback if you don't give effort and you don't make those. Because I don't always, you're not going to, being a pass rusher, you're not always going to win on the first uh, on the first uh, move. So you got to switch it up and have a good counter move to be able to, um, get to the quarterback as well. So really, it's just um, having a good motor and effort in everything I do, and um, also bringing the, that motor and effort to special teams as well. You know, special teams is you know how I kind of earned my starting role at Charlotte. So um, I'm ready to do the same thing. Whatever I got to do in the NFL. Now, if you you've mentioned your you know work ethic and your motor, like you just said, and everything you've kind of overcame just to get an opportunity, but if you had to pinpoint one word just to describe your game and your character, what would that word be? Same my game, um, really just relentless, you know, kind of like I was talking about my mother and my effort, you know, it's something that I pride myself on. 
uh, something that stands out for me on tape, you know, for me, um, for just as a person, you know, my character, um, I say Christian, you know, my, my faith is what's most important in my life. So, um, I've been, I've been a Christian uh, through college. And so just really, that's the, my main motivation, you know, to, um, to make it to the NFL is just to use it as a platform to honor and glorify God with the gifts he's, he's given me and just to be able to have an impact and be a blessing to other people. So that's, that's what I'd say for those two, those two words. Now, outside of football, what are some hobbies and things you enjoy to do? Nice. Uh, I, I really love to play uh, video games. Uh, I've been playing video games my whole life, but you know, recently it's really been uh, Call of Duty. Really, that's really all I've been playing lately, especially during this quarantine. You know, work out um, twice twice a day uh, in, the, in the morning, such afternoon, and usually at night I'm, I'm playing the game. So I like to do that. I love to read, read my Bible, read, read um, motivational books and stuff. I love watching movies. Huge movie guy. Um, pretty upset that the movies are closed right now because i was definitely looking forward to going to see some new movies coming out um and also just love you know hanging out with friends hanging out with my girlfriend and just i'm um, just chilling you know I'm not, not a guy who really goes out and parties like that so i'm just more of a lay low guy and chill guy if you had to pinpoint one movie that's your favorite all time what would that be i'd say remember the titans uh that's it's my dad's favorite too and that's just every time i watch it you know uh uh can almost quote the whole movie and um I just, I love, uh, every time I watch the end, the end scene where they score this uh, game winning touchdown, it gives me chills every time. And then, so that's probably my favorite movie. But Avengers, Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame are close second and third. Very cool. And is, you mentioned your love for video games. Is there a part of you that's kind of realizing how surreal it's going to be that, you know, next year's Madden, you could definitely be, you're going to be in it. Is that something that's really surreal to you? Oh, it is, you know, because I've been playing that game my whole life. You know, I still play it. You know, I've been playing Call of Duty recently, but... It is pretty surreal, and um, it was pretty cool at the combine. We did like a mad headshot thing, so it's kind of like you know they already got our headshots in. All they got to do is you know get the attributes and stuff like that. So it's it's gonna be really cool, and I know I'm gonna do like a fantasy draft and draft myself. So <laughs> it's gonna be really cool, really cool for me to see myself in the game. Really cool. So if you had to say maybe one player, uh, current or former, or even a couple guys that you always looked up to or idolized, who are some of those guys? So. Like I was saying earlier, you know, growing up a diehard Panthers fan, I really love Julius Peppers. I love the way that he passed rushed and love, love the way he played the game. So he's someone that I really look, look up to as a football player. Um, right now, like current, current former players, you know, you've got guys I really like to watch a lot of film on, you know, are Von Miller, Cleo Mack, and Marcus Lawrence, uh, and a couple other guys as well. So I'd say, you know, those are who kind of kinda like I take um, parts of their game from and try to infuse it into my game as well. Now, you did mention the NFL Combine. What do you think you, out of everything you participated in at the Combine, which of the drills do you really felt, you know, showed your best attributes and, you know, you felt like you put your best performance on the table in? Um, I think um, the, the bag drills that we did. So that was a new drill this year, and I'm so happy when I saw it because that was a bag. That was a drill that we did every single day um, at Charlotte with, with, with our coach and I saw that, I was like, okay, you know, this is my drill. I'm about to, I'm about to go off on this thing. And I think one thing that, you know, I showed is that um, I'm really violent my hips and my club. And that, that, I think, you know, my spin move was, um, you know, a lot different than the other guys. And I think that's something that separates me as well is because I, I have a spin move, you know, that I feel like I've, I haven't mastered. But, you know, it's definitely my best move. So I feel like I really showed that there. Now... At the next level, how quickly do you think you're going to be able to make an impact? You mentioned, you know, trying to make an impact on special teams, but how quickly do you think you'll be able to make an impact even on defense at the edge? 
Um, you know, I think I can make an impact my first year, you know. Um, like I said, you know, some teams, like most teams I've talked to, you know, um, probably going to start out on special teams after earn my role there. But um, in me being a backup, you know, I feel like I'll still come in and uh, – or me, me just being like a third-down guy, Patrick, so I feel like I'll make an impact my rookie year, you know, because it's something that I'm going to – as soon as I, you know, I always have a great work ethic right now, but, you know, as soon as I get um, – as soon as I get drafted, as soon as I get picked up by a team, you know, that work ethic is going to stay the same. I'm just going to continue to do whatever I can, you know, to help team win, help teams win games. So, and it's like I said, I'll, I'll go out there and just give 100% every play for it. Now, off the field, who has had the biggest impact on your career to this point? Probably, um, you know, off the field, I'd probably say my dad and my position coach for my first year of college. So my dad is just his support for me. It's just so amazing. Like him and my mom, we could literally come to every single game of mine. He just believes in me from the start, and so I'm just thankful for him and everything he means to me. And uh, my position coach, Coach Edmonds, you know, he came in and he he's the one to help me get a scholarship. You know, help me to um, he just taught me a lot about pass rush and just how to play defensive line spot. And he coached me and I stepped back in the first couple of years, but you know, he wasn't only a great coach, but he's also a great um um off the field coach as well. So he taught me how to be a better man on this, how to be a better man of faith. So just for him and everything, you know, that he's, he's done for me for sure. Now, if you had to give some advice to Alex Highsmith four years ago, what would you tell him? I'd tell him to fall in love with the process. Um, that was something, you know, that I really did this past year. Um, like when I got there, you know, my, yes, I worked hard. And yes, I did the little things uh, daily or right daily, but you know, I feel like I was too focused on earning a scholarship instead of, you know, just being in the moment, doing what I could every day. So I just tell Alex, you know, a freshman Alex Highsmith, you know, just fall in love with the process, do what you got to do, be disciplined, committed to, the, to do the little things right day to day, week to week, month to month. And just don't don't get worried about the results. Just stick to the process, work every day and let the results handle themselves. Now, with less than a week away from your Inevitably going to be hearing your name get called and hearing the do 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 do. Ladies and gentlemen, Alex Highsmith, you've been selected to blah 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 blah. What is your first reaction going to be in that moment when you find out where you're landing? I'm gonna cry. I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm an emotional <laughs> guy, so my, I'm not gonna have to, um, many people here. You know, I want, mm-hmm. my original plan was to have my whole all my family and a lot of my friends here, but you no, know, they can't have them with everything going on, trying to be safe, and um, so I'm gonna have my. Um, my mom, dad, my sister here, my, my girlfriend, my best friends, and you know a couple other of my teammates, um, friends. So it's just going to be awesome for, for my, like my closest people to be here with me. So I'm just um, I can't wait for that moment. I just can't wait for it to see uh, the phone the phone ring during that time. So I just know I'm gonna cry as soon as I, as soon as I find out. That's really cool, and I'm very excited for you from a fan perspective to experience all that, and we're rooting for you here. Just a couple more questions before you go. I know you're a busy man, busy schedule. Um, if you're home in your hometown of Wilmington, where is one place that is your favorite place to go and get away from everything going on in the world? So, I'll probably say the beach. Um, you know, it's closed right now, so I can't really get away to it, but usually, like, you know, when I come here, um, I try to get up in the morning, go watch the, the sunrise, and I um, just really feel, you know, at, at peace out there. You know, I bring my, my Bible out there, and I'll read some. Uh, but, you know, really just when I go to the beach and especially, you know, in the morning, you know, by myself and just looking at the sun, at the sunrise and um, looking at the ocean, it's just, it just gives me a peace, you know, it's really helped me to um, just be, be in that moment right there. So that's where I'd say I go. I like to go.
Now, our one of our last questions for you, we ask every guest this when they come on. It's a big question, so take as much time as you want to answer the question. When your career is all finished, what do you, Alex Highsmith, want your legacy to be? Um, you know, for me, um, I feel like, you know, a lot of guys, you know, you know coming to the NFL and just, you know, wanting to, to be about them and want to leave their legacy just like just on the field. Um, you know, for me personally, um, not only do I want to have a, a legacy on the field, um, you know, I want to be a part of a Super Bowl winning teams. You know, ultimately, you know, for me, winning Super Bowls is more important than my name being great or me making the Hall of Fame. Like, I'd rather win Super Bowls than go to the Hall of Fame any day of the week. But for me, you know, really, I just want to know that I had an impact on others. You know, for me, I, I measure success by how by the impact you have on others. So um, I just really want to, you know, use my platform, you know, just be a blessing to other people. And I've already started looking into um you know, ideas, thinking about ideas, you know, to do for a philanthropy and just starting a nonprofit organization to give back to people, you know, um, that need it. So just really, you know, I just want to be known as a guy who um, um, really wants to uh, help his, help help people off the field. You know, really one of my um, main goals, I haven't talked about it too much, but, you know, one of my main goals, uh, I do want to win in the future is the Walter, Man, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. So um, not just to win the award, but just know that I had a, had a huge impact on people. So that's what I say I want my, my very cool. Now, two final things here. Of all the questions you've been asked in the draft prospect or process, there's a lot of questions people um, end up saying that are like infamously weird questions. Has there been one question this year that has like stuck out to you and been like, really? How does that help to the football process? Uh, I don't know. Um, there's been there's definitely been some weird ones, but I can't remember to the top of my head um, which one has been the weirdest. Um, we talked about like we talked we, we did interview private access where I trained at and they talked about some weird questions that they might ask us but I didn't get any of them but there's definitely just some been some weird ones but I can't remember one that really stuck out to me uh, in my head now I have a weird question for you and it's our final question if you had to be any kind of boat what kind of boat would you be any kind of boat <laughs> uh let's see maybe like Either a, a speedboat that you can like take out on the lake, or like a, a yacht. <laughs> One, two of those. That'd be nice. We could be a yacht. <laughs> Very cool. And can't thank you enough for coming on, Alex. I'm so excited to see where you land and what you do at the next level. Before we close out, I do want to give you the opportunity to plug your social medias or just leave off on a general message before we uh, end the show. So the floor is yours. Yep. So um. You guys can uh, follow me on, on Instagram at uh, Smitty underscore five or just Alex Highsmith. Um, Twitter at Highsmith34, TikTok at Alex Highsmith, and Facebook Alex Highsmith. But um, just really want anyone tuning into this, you know, just encourage y'all to continue to, to stay safe. You know, it's, um, this is a rough time we're going through and a hard time, but, you know, just know that we're all going to uh, come through this uh, through the stronger, come back from the stronger as a nation, and just really feel like, you know, this is a time that, um, it's, it's happening for a reason, you know. I feel like you know, um, this is being used, you know, for families to reunite and families to get closer together, and just you know, for us to really calm down and just um, stop and just really rest during this time. So, um, just thankful for um, you know me. It's been good for me to be able to spend time with family, and I you know hope that everyone out there has been able to um, do that as well. So, just encourage everyone to stay safe and um, continue to social distance, and so that we can get back to normal as soon as possible. Very cool. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the absolute beast from UNC Charlotte, edge rusher Alex Highsmith. Thanks again, Alex. Of course. Thank you.
was a reporter and anchor and broadcaster from NFL Network's Total Access. He is the voice also of NFL Los Angeles Ram football, and he's participated in coverage of Olympic Games before. He is the esteemed broadcaster and journalist. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Andrew Siciliano. Dylan, quite an introduction. Thank you, sir. How are you? Thank you. How are you? Well, thanks for coming on. Seriously, man, this is an honor to talk to you. You're an idol of mine and somebody I want to uh, be like when I'm older. Well, that, I, that's flattering. I, I thank you for that. Those are, that's very kind. Uh, I would, uh, I'll be self-deprecating and say, aim higher. <laughs> you know what? Those are nice words. So thank you. And obviously, this is crazy times we're living in right now, but also crazy times for the NFL. Some unprecedented changes with everything going to a non-public draft this year. How is that working for you guys at NFL Network and how you guys are going to participate in coverage now? Yeah, Dylan, that, that's still very much a work in progress. As, as we talk today, we're, uh, what, 20 days away from that first night of the draft on the 23rd, that Thursday. It's going to look different, and, and everything is going to feel different, unfortunately, for a long time. And public safety and, and everyone's health is by far the most important thing. And it's, it's not going to be a situation where Joe Burrow is walking across the stage and hugging the commissioner and holding up that Bengals jersey. That's just not feasible. So in all likelihood... Um, you'll see Joe Burrow at home, and whether or not he has a jersey to hold up is, is uh, that remains to be seen. But just to keep everyone safe, it, it is going to look a lot like um, what our lives look like today. If you turn on CNN, you have most you, you have um, a, most of the guests appearing via some kind of video conferencing. Um, Chris Cuomo, who obviously tested positive for COVID-19, is doing a show from his basement. Um, there have been plenty of people doing shows from home. I am hosting Total Access. Uh, Colleen Wolf is doing, is doing it as well from our respective homes here in L.A. And all the people we're talking to, Ian Rappaport, Mike Garofolo, Tom Pelissero, Kurt Warner, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, Steve Smith, you name it, they're all from their homes as well. And so it's going to feel a lot like that. The biggest challenge is not only the TV broadcast, but, you know, just from the team perspective, because it is all about these teams, is, is how do they coordinate. And, uh, you know, hopefully one year from now we'll write a book about how successful um, it's been, but, but that's the least of anyone's concerns right now. It's just getting on the air and, and first and foremost, just keeping everyone healthy. Now, it was very cool, especially with all the craziness going on right now, that you know NFL free agency continued on, and you guys continued on with your coverage, um, wall-to-wall coverage throughout free agency. What is that like, participating in that coverage? Because it's always seemed like such a crazy um, 72 hours when the first three days of free agency start. Yeah, you know, Dylan, this year was a lot different. Um, it is always crazy, and, and uh, this year there was certainly craziness with Tom Brady and and the DeAndre Hopkins trade and all of that. But at the same time, this was really when I think America was waking up and we're all waking up and realizing that uh, COVID-19 w- was not just something that uh, was limited to a nursing home in, in the state of Washington, that this was this was very, very, very real. Um, and uh, you had to find the right tone. I mean, you know, for all of us at the network and, and not just the people like you know, like like me or whomever they, that's on camera, and they, we get all the attention, but all the people behind the scenes in the newsroom, they always see behind me, and the camera people, and the control room people, and the tech people, and all our newsroom staff, um, you know, everyone was uh, was anxious, and, and we were trying to 
shows together, but still maintain social guide, um, social distancing guidelines and adhere to all that. And you have to understand that the people watching at home, like you or whomever, um, uh, this is the real world. And as much as you want to jump up and down and go, oh, my God, this guy's got a $50 million three-year contract or whatever, which is how you would normally do it, you had to have the right tone. And, and that was that was a, a tightrope to walk, but uh, it was it, it was something that was very real because all of us, you know, feel the same anxiety that anyone at home feels about the state of the world and their safety. So um, it was it was different, but uh, we we understand that it was also a diversion, mm-hmm. and uh, people people were texting and writing and uh, saying, "I'm glad you're on because you know it gives us something other to watch, uh, something to watch other than the depressing news." But um, you know, it, it is it is still just football. We we mm-hmm. get that too. Well, much respect to you for being a diversion for a lot of us and being able to go on there and kind of change a lot of people's um, days by giving something to distract them from all the craziness that is going on. But it is you're very right. It's become a lot more real as this has progressed, and hopefully we're hitting the peak now so that this curve can uh, bend down and we can finally uh, be out of this phase. So I do want to talk about... Yeah, Yeah, So I do want to go back to the start for you. When did you realize you wanted to be a uh, sports journalist and sports broadcaster? Uh, that's a great question. I, I don't know that there was one magic moment, one one epiphany. You know, I grew up uh, uh, before before the days of Sunday Ticket and extra innings, and I would listen to baseball games on the radio every night. Um, and we have them on TV as well. I grew up in Northern Virginia. The only team we had then, there were no Nationals. We had the Orioles, and so they were on every night. Through cable TV, maybe you'd get the Braves on TBS, but I'm an Indians fan. My father's from Cleveland, so I would listen to the Indians on the radio um, late at night. You know, you, you may not know this, actually, being younger, but AM radio travels a lot further at night. So I could sit in my bedroom as a little kid in Virginia and, believe it or not, on my on my AM radio, get in games as far away as Chicago. I could listen to the Cubs on 720 or the, the White Sox on 1000, or I could listen to uh, the Yankees on the fan 660 out of New York or the Mets on 770. You got my point. And I, that, that was my extra innings. I'd bounce around and listen to all those games on the radio. So I thought I might do something that, that would be a dream, but um, I was – you know, believe it or not, a shy little kid, I, I wouldn't be hosting a podcast when I was in high school like you are. Granted, there were no such things as podcasts back then. So I figured that maybe writer, like a newspaper reporter. Um, and so I wrote for the student newspaper at my high school. And if there was one moment, maybe, um, I remember there was an all-star game. Um, I was a huge baseball fan. I don't remember which one. Was it a Wrigley one? Like in... There was one at Wrigley when I was in high school, and I, I'd never been to Wrigley, obviously, at that point. But I remember watching Sports Center and seeing a bunch of writers talking to baseball players behind the cage, the batting cage at Wrigley. And I was like, wow, that would be, how cool would that be? And, and that was kind of a push for me. And then when I, I went to Syracuse and I was going to be a writer, I was a print journalism major initially, and then I switched to radio when I started doing some stuff on the student station, WAER, and then, um, I don't know, I'm somehow sitting here talking to you. (laughs) 
So, obviously, um, a lot of journalists and broadcasters strive to get where you are. And how has that journey been for you to get from, you know, graduating at Syracuse to ending up at NFL Network as a host of Total Access and as a play-by-play guy for the Rams? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Um, it's hard to say, dude. It's uh, I, This is not a path that I ever thought I would go on. I'm not kidding. I, I thought I would be uh, a writer. Thought I would uh, be a newspaper writer, or maybe write books, or something like that. I just wanted to do something in sports in that regard, and then I tried radio, and radio worked for me. Um, and then I eventually, you know, some years later, ended up in Los Angeles after working in Chicago for a little bit, and then radio just kind of turned to TV. And um, I enjoyed doing play-by-play in college, and I'd always tried to, to stick around and, and do a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, I did a lot of arena league games when I was here in Los Angeles and some in Las Vegas for some some time. Um, It's uh, I did a lot of talk. The the short answer, Dylan, is I don't know how I got here, (laughs) but if you work hard and you keep knocking on doors and um, you keep asking questions and you keep pushing, you know, sometimes sometimes good things. Good things happen. So that that's. I mean, I know obviously it's cliche to say work hard. Obviously, you don't get anywhere without working hard. But if there's any lesson I think from my journey is that there's no one way to do it. You know, if you want to do TV, you don't necessarily have to go to a local market these days in the middle of nowhere. You could do it that way, and I highly recommend it because you could learn so many different things about the business when you're in small towns and you have to do everything on your own. Um, but you know, you can podcast like yourself or, or, um, everyone has, and you have a smartphone somewhere nearby. Everyone has a, uh, a television studio in their pocket these days. And that is the advantage that your generation will have in trying to market themselves to work in the business. Now, personal question, and then we'll get to some football talk. So, Syracuse University is known for pumping out journalism and broadcasters. Maybe this isn't even an answer or a question that my audience would like to know, but from a <laughs> journalist to a prospective journalist, hopefully myself, how do you feel Syracuse launched your career? Uh, it's a great question. Um, you know, when I was there, we, we, we had just, we, I, wasn't, I was just a student, but Newhouse had just launched or just started its first quote-unquote sports journalism class. Uh, You know, now uh, there might even be a major. I'm not even sure. Um, It it wasn't like we went there and took four years of sports broadcasting classes. But there had been people that had walked in our footsteps, and I got there in 1992 as a freshman. Uh, Bob Costas and Mike Tirico and Marv Albert and Dick Stockton and the great Marty Glickman and Len Berman. Um, There were so many that there had been a foundation there. And what Syracuse did is it it pushed us. It pushed all of us because so many people wanted to walk in their footsteps that there was a real-world sense of competition and a real-world sense of you need to go out and work for it uh, from the second you got on campus. And there were plenty who decided, eh, maybe this isn't for me, which is great. That's fine. And they went on to very successful careers in, in other in other um, 
in, in other fields or other parts of this somewhat related business. So uh, the competition was good, but I would also say um, the sense of community and, and fraternity really from many of those people that I listed who were great resources for me and from all, when, when we all go out to the real world, we all try to do the same for the students at SU and WAER specifically that came after us. So, um, you know, Mike Tirico was a huge help for me um, coming out of school, and he's just one example. Um, someone who you could send a tape to and say, hey, how am I doing? What, what do I need to do to get better? Um, you know, we could, at our student radio station, uh, send Marv Albert um, some some lines that he could read so that we could put them in our open for our basketball broadcast, things like that. And whenever those people came back to campus, they were always there to help. And if they're not on campus, they were always there to answer the phone and, and help the people that, that, that came after them. Very cool. So now to some NFL talk. Um, one of the biggest free agents still on the market right now is Jadavian Clowney. What is your opinion on what his market is? It seems like he overshot it. He was asking for a lot more than he's going to end up getting now. He had an opportunity to land in Miami, but now where do you feel his market's at and where do you end up seeing him next season? It's a great question. Don't know. And look, by the time this drops, he might actually be signed. I, I think the safest bet is go back to Seattle, but it'll be on a, a much shorter deal, um, a short-term deal with, with, with almost maybe like a pay-as-you-go thing like Amari Cooper got. Jadavian Clowney is a very good football player, and he's a game-changer when he's on his game and when he's healthy and when he's on the field. I think there's some concern about um, giving him a long-term financial commitment, and maybe some people believe that he or you would get the best out of him as an organization on a shorter-term deal to keep him motivated. Maybe that's the best way to say it. He will definitely play football in 2020. I expect he'll sign somewhere soon. However, uh, he doesn't have and probably won't get the huge money, at least long-term money, that he was hoping to get. Now, I'm personally a Jets fan. I know they've been tied to Clowney, but it seems like Douglas was just doing his due, or due diligence there. How do you feel that they've attacked free agency, and what would you say maybe a grade for them has been throughout this process this year? Uh, look, I, I would never rule out any team if it's a short-term deal. Short-term deals for teams with salary cap space are pretty easy to do because you're just writing a one-year check. I know the Jets have said they've talked to him. The Titans have said they've talked to him. The Jets went out and made sensible and reasonably reasonably safe economic decisions on the offensive line, and that's huge. They didn't go out and break the bank for anyone. They went out and got versatile. George Fan could play either side. They went out and got uh, versatile and affordable offensive line pieces, understanding they're still picking 11, and if one of the you know, primo tackle falls to them at 11. They can grab them there or they can go wide receiver. Um, it's a process. You do not rebuild an offensive line overnight, but I think that the moves Douglas has made so far, Sam Darnold would have to be happy with. 
good to hear as a Jets fan and Jets writer. But looking at the quarterback market for who's still out there, Cam Newton, starter from Carolina for a long time, talented player. You've got Andy Dalton likely on his way out with Burrow heading to Cincinnati. And you've got uh, a lot of guys on the market, even as backups like Matt Moore, Joe Flacco, talented guys who don't really have a home right now. Where do you feel the market stands for a lot of these quarterbacks? I think most of those guys you just listed will wait until after the draft and may wait until much later in the offseason to do a deal, simply because teams that might want to bring them in, take the Chargers, for example, where Anthony Lynn finally conceded this week that, yeah, you know what, they, they would look at anyone of that, anyone includes Cam Newton. Um, you got to see what they're going to do in the draft. You know, let, let's just play the hypothetical. Let's say the Chargers have their heart set on Tua, okay? And why would they go out and sign Cam Newton right now if, if, if let's say Tua falls somehow. Let's say the Dolphins pick Justin Herbert, right? And Tua falls to him. Then they have Tua, Tyrod, and, um, and, and sorry, Cam. That's a mess, mm-hmm. right? So... I think Cam, I think Jameis will definitely wait until after the draft, and I don't think anyone is going to make them an offer that they would want until after the draft. Now, Jameis Winston got pushed out of his job at Tampa by Tom Brady. I'm sure you might even be very tired of talking about Brady to Tampa at this point, but could you just give me a little bit of insight on how you felt that decision came about for him, and do you feel like it was the best move for his interests for the future? Now, where do you see Belichick and Kraft going from here with the quarterback situation? Do you see them sticking with Stidham and Hoyer and seeing who gets the job? Do you see them drafting a quarterback, or do you see them grabbing maybe Dalton, Winston, or one of the guys on the market? I think we won't know truly what Bill Belichick thinks about his roster and what he thinks of the quarterbacks on his roster until he drafts. And he is notorious for not letting anyone going to do with the 23rd overall pick is lying because they don't. So might Brian Hoyer be an option? Sure. But, uh, you know, knowing they cut him last year in favor of Jared Stedham, I don't think they would probably want to have him as the starter. Maybe they think Jared Stedham is truly 
probably the future, and they're drafting elsewhere at 23. Um, we won't know until they're on the clock. And knowing Bill Belichick, there's a good chance he'll trade out of that pick. Anyway, I think it is safe to assume there will be another quarterback in that building, whether or not it's one of the big-name guys you just mentioned or whether it's somebody from the draft. Only they know. Now, looking at your Los Angeles Rams team as the play-by-play announcer there, they've gone through a very big change throughout this offseason and really since they went to the Super Bowl, which feels like forever ago now. They lost Todd Gurley now, and it seems like Brandon Cooks could be on his way out. What do you feel the state is there in Los Angeles with the Rams? Um, well, so just to clarify, I only work with the Rams in the preseason, but this is now 10, uh, 10 years with them, so... J.D. Long is the voice of the Rams. I just want to give that shout-out there. No big deal. Sometimes the Internet is wrong. J.D. is the voice of the Rams, and I do their preseason television. With all of that said, um, I think Brandon Cooks isn't going anywhere unless someone truly, truly blows them away because they just paid uh, Brandon Cooks a big roster bonus when on the third day of the league year. So uh, that hasn't gotten out a lot. I mean, it was there, but... if you could make one move for the Rams right now, what would you do if you were in their position? I would take the best edge defender, hopefully a linebacker, with the 52nd overall pick and hope that he can make an impact and get to the quarterback. That's what I would do because they badly need to fill that spot. Now, they also had a drastic image change with a new logo. What was your opinion on the logo that seemed to be uh, getting some not- the best reviews from the public. Yeah, I think it's 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 a lot of overreaction to be honest. We mm-hmm. did, listen, the the Ram logo, the new the Ram itself, mm-hmm. I think is awesome. Now I haven't seen what the uniforms will look like, but you know I, I could guess that that the that is not going to be on the helmet, nor is the LA logo that everyone is so up in arms about going to be on the helmet. I, I'm going to guess that the helmet won't look much different than what the standard Rams helmet has looked like over the years. So I think people uh, will be okay with that. It's, it's what I assume it is. The LA logo, it will take some getting used to, but I don't think it's as bad as everyone says it is. I'm a huge fan, like I said, of the actual Ram itself. I think it's unfortunate, and I, and I don't often, I don't, I'm not taking shots at people here, but the idea that that hat, which leaked on Reddit and people ignored, somehow got out in the legitimate media, I think it kind of poisoned the well 
and if if that hadn't been out two weeks ahead of time, I think people might have reacted differently. I can tell you this, um, and I know this, that reaction from the players, the guys who, who are going to be wearing the new stuff, has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna almost. I'd almost put a paycheck on it. That L.A. logo is not going to be on a helmet. So people take a deep breath. <laughs> so two quick questions for you before we close out here. Uh, both kind of bigger questions, but what is the plan for you if you had to say maybe a five-year plan for your career? Um, I don't know. That's a great <laughs> question. You can be my agent and figure it out with me. Uh, I don't know. Listen, I, this uh, this will be my 10th season coming up at NFL Network um, and 16th season doing the Red Zone Channel and DirecTV. So um, I am very fortunate to have those jobs, and I love working with the Rams as well. So um, I'm very uh, content, never the right word, because I don't think anyone should be content. I'm all for pushing and, and trying to do more. But, um, you know, I like my job. I'm very fortunate to have the jobs that I do have. And uh, I want to enjoy those as much as I can and, you know, look to expand whenever whenever you can and do more and interesting things. I, I love to stay um, challenged. And if there are new challenges out there to tackle, I cannot wait to tackle them. Just got to figure out where those challenges will be. But, um, you know, I, I, I try to be the same guy I was when I was, uh, you know, 20 and 21 and 22 years old which is always knocking on doors, always trying to brainstorm, always trying to find something new, because when you get complacent, that's when the world passes you by. Will we ever get an Andrew Siciliano podcast? <laughs> you know, actually, I'm thinking about it. Um, you know, there are a lot of them out there. It's a, it's a saturated market, but yeah, maybe. You want to you come on the podcast when we get one? Hell yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, Dylan, we'll work on that. I got along to the podcast first. So my last question for you is one I ask every guest that comes on. When it's all said and done, your career, your life as a whole, what do you, Andrew Siciliano, want your legacy to be? That, that's a great question. Um, what do I want my legacy to be? Uh, I, I don't know that I'll have a legacy. How about that? I, I'm just a cog in the wheel. I'm a cog in the machine here. But I, I would say just someone who worked hard and tried to have a good time and uh, tried to entertain people and tried to get the story right. Um, and that's, that's, that's me. I, I'm just a guy that does a show. Like I always tell people, when, when we get done with the Red Zone channel on Sundays, people say, oh, what a great show. And I'm like, no, you know what? When we have good games, we have good shows. And I'm not the one out there blocking and tackling and catching touchdowns. There are people that are putting their bodies on the line actually doing that. I'm just a conduit, and I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to, to be that person that helps connect the fans to the game because I love the game just as much as they do. Well, Andrew, it was an absolute privilege to sit down with you. Before we close out, I do want to give you the opportunity to plug your social medias. Just plug anything you feel before we close out. Sure. Dylan, thank you. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, the same handle. It's at Andrew Siciliano, A-N-D-R-E-W-S-I-C-I-L-I-A-N-O. And, uh, yeah, just those two. I'm not, like, on TikTok or anything because I'm too old and have no dance moves. Well, Andrew, it was an absolute privilege to sit down with you and nothing but the best wishes for you during these crazy times. 
Dylan. You have a great little podcast here. Thank you for having me on. Good luck to you, sir, and any help I can be in the future, please let me know. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Andrew Siciliano. My thanks to NFL Network's Andrew Siciliano and the Beast from UNC Charlotte, Alex Highsmith, for coming on. Great conversations with both men. Best of luck to them in the draft this weekend. Andrew with his coverage and Alex with getting selected. And if you would like to tune into our coverage, tomorrow night we will be live from 8 to 11.30. We'll have FIU linebacker Sage Lewis on, USF running back Jordan Cronkray, Wake Forest wide receiver Stephen Claude, David Newland of Newland Scouting is going to co-host, and... Uh, oh, and recurring guest Richard Yergin is going to come on as well. It's going to be a really fun show. A lot of other analysts jumping in as well. It's going to be a really, really crazy few hours. Come watch, enjoy our takes, and uh, yeah. And reminder, you can tune in uh, at YouTube, Ambitious with Dylan Price, and check us out on Instagram at Ambitious with or at Ambitious Podcast, Twitter at Ambitious with DP. Have a wonderful week, Ambitious listeners, and tune in another next week for another episode.